This is the Tabernacle Podcast with John Vermilia and me, Britton Bishop. What's up, John? I need to start with an apology. I need to apologize to you, Britton Bishop. Not a chance. Yes, I'm For apologizing. What? My brother. For my public my school friend, education. My colleague. <laughs> I should not have drawn attention in the last podcast to your use of the word omnipotent. So we'll draw attention to it in two episodes. No, no, I should have just let it go <laughs> because you did your best to sound it out. It was I'm a word just, you were hey, familiar with. I was hooked with. on phonics in that moment. Yeah, all right, so. You said omnipotent. I drew attention to it and then people <laughs> had to say stuff because that's how church people are. Oh, they and are. Church people, you know who you are. You don't have to jump. Look, I had a moment of weakness and I pointed it out. <laughs> it's like pointing out a pimple on somebody's nose. I should have just let it roll. Do you feel like we're talking to you right now? Yeah. yeah. Brendan, I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry for being one of those people that made fun of you. For those of you that are wondering who that voice is, uh, Adam, what's up? Welcome what's back. Happening? Adam Sharp. So my we would plan act like we're worked. excited you're here, but. My plan worked. What's that? I've been trying to get back in here for about two months, and I get a text just about every Thursday that I'm loud up there. <laughs> <laughs> so finally, Brent just decided if he's in here. I didn't even hang the sign up. I was like, we don't have to worry about anybody being up <laughs> yeah. here because Adam's not up there. You with so. your cowboy boots yeah, up here in T1. Clomping clomp, around. Clomp, clomp. Put him on the podcast. He'll keep that guy quiet. <laughs> keep him quiet. So. But it works. listen, speaking of apologies. So I apologize to you. Do you receive that? I receive it. That's a weird. Do you accept it? Do you forgive I, me? I forgive you. Okay. You know what you and I have not forgiven? Next gen pastor Adam Sharp. Oh, because he confessed right before this recording began. Yeah, he has not apologized. You owe an apology, oh, bro. Yeah, because somebody went to breakfast this morning, fellas. I am sorry. I went to the Chick Fil A. You're a liar. This morning, I'm sorry. No, I'm not at all. Chick Fil A <laughs> breakfast. It was great. Just you didn't bring uh, us any. I did none because we glad. didn't ask, but we didn't know. You didn't. You. Didn't but what ask. did you get? You you did know. Did I? You got a picture while I was there. Yeah. But I was like, that's when I wake up and I'm hungry and I'm like, not today. And then so I just. <laughs> Britain's on. So, he's on an odyssey, an odyssey to June 4th. He's, no, I'm he's past on a June quest. 4th. That's why he's been crazy. Past June 4th. It's rolling. Oh, it's rolling. I can't let the old man be better than me. Not you, my father, my dad. Gotcha. My dad. Okay. He's beating my that's why he's been cranky. So, chicken biscuits, is that what you had what this morning? Mm -hmm. The little ones, or did you get the big one? Big one. Were you mm. discipling somebody? Mm. I was hanging out with my boy Dom. Hey, count it. Yep. Doing the work of the ministry, baby. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> what are we talking about today, man? Uh, so chicken? we're going to, yeah, we might. We I could mean, do a whole episode to, on yeah. chicken. I'll just go full Bubba Gump. You got the egg white grill. <laughs> you got the grilled nuggets. You got the chicken strip, the chicken oh, nugget. I got to watch that show again. <laughs> I love they have the menu memorized. Uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, I can tell you how much it costs, where to find it, what color the mm. picture is, <laughs> which drink they put next to it. But uh, Sweet tea? Yeah, praise God. Get sweet tea today. Just coffee. Coffee. All With right. cream and sugar. Mm. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Adam likes a little coffee with his creamer. So, but we're jumping in, uh, doing part two of uh, the Big Rock. So last week we kind of jumped in, still in the DNA series kind of segments that we're doing, and uh, we did a, a large chunk of the first kind of part of the Big Rocks that we covered, where we just talked about um, the Trinity. Um, we talked about um, the Bible. We talked about man, salvation, sanctification, the church. Um, and we, we closed by talking about the second coming of Christ, which we also talked about this weekend. That's right, this past weekend. So yeah. I'm just waiting for the emails to light me up. What was the final point? Uh, listen, that Jesus is coming. Yeah. You best be ready. <laughs> so, yeah, we just finished which, talking about that. Which, by the way, that. I'll say it again. I mean, if they didn't catch it on the ser sermon, that's all you need to know about the end time. Absolutely. That Jesus is coming, and you better be ready. Yeah, so if you're interested in uh, checking that out, you can go on this exact YouTube site or wherever you're listening to this, and you can go find those sermons and listen to those. But we're going to jump back in, uh, 
kind of to the big rocks, something that we want to close out. Um, something we say often at the Tabernacles, we want to be known by what we're for, not by what we're against. Um, we focus on the big rocks of theology and uh, leave the small rock squabbles uh, for other people. It's kind of some stuff we say, uh, and there's big rocks and we're going to defend them. And they're, um, and everybody has small rocks. We have two of them at this table right now. Uh, well CBD. done. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. And so, yeah, we're going to jump in uh, to this kind of part about Christian discipleship and Christian conduct. Uh, John, so whenever like... That part, remember, you're, I've never done something like this, but I imagine you were with them when you guys built this bad boy. Oh, man, it was a process. You're talking about the Constitution, bylaws, right. the statement of faith. Yeah. 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 And, and, and one of the things that we, we, we point out and merge, we actually inherited this from generations. You know, this is almost a 100-year-old church. So other people had written uh, the original. And uh, when we got to it, about a dozen years ago, maybe more like 15, we started rewriting it because one of the things we noticed about the tabernacle statement of faith is there were some small rocks that had been turned into big rocks. Mm. There was like two pages in our uh, book that, you know, we would give to people. These, these are printout sheets, but we had a little book. There were two pages on all those rocks you mentioned, and then there were three on the second coming of Jesus Christ. You know, pre-mill, rapture, tribulation. It was very detailed. It was probably more detailed than the Bible is, right? <laughs> so we realized that somebody somewhere, you know, had, you know, really kind of made their personal view of end times, a small rock, into the biggest rock of the Constitution and bylaws. So when I say it was a process, I mean, there, there were edits, there were rewrites. We were doing our best to make the most important things the the main thing, yeah. you know? It is important to have a small rock, like you said, theory about specifics on the end time. Are you pre-mill? Are you post-mill? Are you pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib? Have, have an opinion. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just hungry. John, yeah. what, what was the response like during that process of changing those things? Because sometimes changes in a church yeah. can be small or yeah. big rocks in general yeah. for people. For the most part, it was positive. It was positive. Like a weight was getting lifted off oh, people. Oh, like a yeah. weight was getting lifted off of people. The general membership, uh, I, I think it was almost unanimous when we took the changes before, uh, you know, at, at the, before the membership at the annual meeting. Um, but the board did the heavy lifting, you know, and some of those board members are still members of our church. And, you know, we're showing up at board meetings with Bibles, Strong's Concordances, you know, <laughs> theology books, and just trying to get it right. And this isn't still... Or, this still isn't perfect, right? There's, there's probably some things that I, you know, we won't go into right now, but I would change them if I could. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So we're jumping in, uh, kind of this, uh, what it says here is ordinances. The Bible teaches the obser- observance of two ordinances. And the first one we're going to dig into is baptism. We believe that baptism by water is the symbol of one's union by faith with Christ and death, burial and resurrection constitutes a public confession of faith in Christ and is the answer of good conscience towards God. Bad t- baptism, preferably by immersion, I like that word, is for those who give evidence of having been born again and is restricted to those of an age of accountability. So, baptism. Big deal. We do it here. We, uh, we celebrate the crap out of it. That's like one of my favorite things um, about the tab is it's not often. I, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, and there's times where Baptism isn't the celebration it needs to be, mm. if that makes sense. Yep. Um, it's not uh, the 
it's not as big of a deal. Um, but I think uh, I love the way we do it here. Or we kind of throw a party um, around our baptisms, and it's something Pop we're going to celebrate. Church picnic, food, and baptism. It doesn't get better than those two things, right? Absolutely. And throwing Benji and like, get you goomy. That was yeah. this moment of like, I only have one big brother, Jacob, but that day he had three, and two of them picked on him pretty hard when <laughs> that they was pretty hard. carried him into the he lake. So. <laughs> he still bad. has trauma from that. Look, <laughs> look at him right there. He's <laughs> completely traumatized. So, yeah. let's. Uh, John, won't you jump in and Adam or you can jump in and break just kind of down that idea of baptism, why it's important. Um, why is that a big rock for us here at the tabernacle? I think the biggest reason is because Jesus uh, not only modeled it, but he commanded it. Mm-hmm. So Jesus himself got baptized, not because Jesus ever sinned or needed to get saved, but he was being a model for his disciples, for us, for those people that follow Christ. And then uh, in the great commission, Matthew 28, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, teach them everything that I've taught you, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so uh, we try to do exactly that. So scripture commands it, um, and it's a really, really, really big rock. Now, there's some small rocks that are associated with it. Now, you, those, those words that you wrote there, it says, preferably by immersion. That's our little small rock tendency that's coming in here. Yep. Immersion means we dunk people. We yeah. dunk people underwater because it's weird and because it's old school. And we like to be a little bit old timey here at the tab. So right. that's what we're going to do. However, baptism, I mean, if somebody's unable to get there and someone's on a deathbed or a sick bed or some other thing, and we got a sprinkle or they got a weird phobia. The point is it's water on a person. It's an outward expression of an inward change. Right. Yeah. So it's public. It's a public confession of faith in Christ. Those things are really, really, really big. But like the mode isn't as important. You know, the age of accountability, we're not going to say exactly what that age is. Mm -hmm. You know, we always tell parents, you know, you know when the kid understands or doesn't understand. Yeah. But along with that, we don't necessarily, well, we don't, we don't baptize babies. Mm -hmm. We don't baptize kids that don't understand what's happening. Yep. No, I, uh, I remember I was having a conversation with some missionaries one time and just talking about what were some of the struggles that they were having from the field. And then you obviously, you start getting into those conversations and you know this, you were a missionary kid and there's just some stuff that like when they would come back stateside and the church would begin asking them questions and they'd go and they'd present and do different stuff. And I remember talking to one guy and he was saying that he went and talked with the church and they were showing pictures of the work they had been doing in this country and they had pictures of them baptizing people, but it was in East Africa where water is about as incredible as oil for us in America, right? And they were pouring buckets of water over people's heads. Oh, because they didn't have a lot mm. of they they didn't have big body water, right? Mm. And somebody was mad about it. Oh, yeah, and of said, course. And and uh, and he You're said, "Be that mad was, at the missionary, yeah, from your couch, <laughs> yeah." That's the uh, yeah. quintessential so, armchair. And they were mad that they weren't quarterback. dunking people, but that they were just pouring water over them, and they were asking if they thought that was a true bat. He was like, "I was doing, I was getting interrogated about this." And he, wow. and he said, at one point, he just looked at this person. He said, "Honestly, I don't care." Mm-hmm. And uh, wow. I think he hurt that old person's feeling. But I don't know, Adam. Uh, baptism. Why is it a big rock? Well, I think so. I'm with you. One of the things that when Samantha and I first started coming to the tab and really diving in, um, one of the first things that we went to was baptism. And I thought it was cool, the celebration that was happening. Um, and that you were so, the church is so forthright with, hey, this is a, a really important thing. It's it's an incredibly important thing. It's a big rock. And we're going to celebrate it, however, still not required for salvation. And so there wasn't that... Um, I've been to churches to where 
if you weren't baptized, then you may not be a Christian, mm. right? And so it can be a big rock and still not be required for salvation. Yeah. Right. And so, so I break, thought that was an interesting thing. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to break that down as we were talking about baptism. Adam kind of opened it right there. But so this idea that it, it's not required for salvation. So I think a lot of people would be, that might be confusing to somebody of like, so salvation, which we covered is by grace through faith, right? The moment that you confess um, by, and by grace through faith, you are saved. You are eternally secure, sealed with the Holy Spirit baptism is just an outward expression of that inward commitment is what something that the way I've heard it described and the way I describe it to people. But why is that? So for the person that would be like, then why do I need to get baptized? Great question. And I've answered this probably a thousand times uh, because Jesus said so, <laughs> yeah. right? He commanded it. Uh, and, and, and the better question, you know, if someone were to say, listen, uh, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. I follow Jesus. Um, why do I need to get baptized? I would say, why wouldn't you want to, mm. you know? I mean, there's a lot of commands, let's be honest, that God gives us that we don't 100% uh, obey. Right. But we're still Christians because we're saved by grace through faith, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then, so to the person, back to your question, or, or the point that you were making, the person that says, well, you haven't been baptized, I don't believe you're a Christian. I always point to the thief on the cross. Yeah. So he's nailed to the cross. In his last moments, he looks at our Savior and says, Father, or, or he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I deserve this death. You don't remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus promised him, today you will be with me in paradise. So that's like the first convert, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and Jesus promised him that day he would be in heaven with him. He didn't have time to get off the cross and get yeah. baptized, right? right? Yeah. And you we've know? all heard the story of uh, that Alistair Begg, whenever he breaks it down, I love just the picture he paints of, when that guy gets to heaven and people start asking him questions, like, well, what's your stance on the doctrine of scripture? And he's like, what is that? What do you he's, mean? Yeah. yeah. He's like, what's your do... stance on the doctrine of baptism? Yeah, he's right? like, the man in the middle said I could come. Yeah. <laughs> the man just... in the middle said I could come. <laughs> what yeah, so a beautiful such message. A cool picture. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, it is a big rock. It's a big rock. Um, I would try to convince anyone listening uh, that calls himself a Christian, if you haven't been baptized, you ought to. You really ought to do that because Jesus said so. Yeah. And there's people in your life that need to see that outward profession of your faith in the way that Jesus commanded, mm-hmm. right? So, um, yeah. Uh, now, the, usually the follow-up question we get at Merge is, why don't we have baptisms every week? And neither of our facilities have baptismals. So we go to lakes, and the answer is always ice. So we wait until the ice breaks. We don't have a dunk tank here. We so. don't have a dunk tank. We're not bringing in the horse trough. You know, we do it, we do it about once or twice a year yeah. in so the summertime. A question that I, I get sometimes with, with students at Foundry and, and even young adults and stuff is uh, a lot of people are, are baptized when they're young. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in whatever age, they could be 8, 10, whatever, and they go through life and life happens and they come back to Christ and the question is, do I need to get baptized again or is it okay if I get baptized again? And so... Uh, how do you answer that, John? What is, or are you are you often asked that? Yes, yes. So, like for someone who's baptized as an infant, I, like I don't want to shoot on people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I said should. In case yes. you haven't been around the church for a while, you know that's part of our <laughs> vernacular. I don't want to shoot on people, but if you were baptized as an infant, that probably wasn't your decision. So I would lump you in the category of people that haven't been baptized, and maybe mm-hmm. you should think about it. Now, I have had people that 
were baptized when they were younger, where they understood, mm-hmm. but they it really wasn't their decision. Mom or dad forced them, or they were just doing it because all the other kids were doing it. Mm. Uh, or even in their adult years, you know, they got baptized, but they just did it to make their wife happy or something like that. And then later they have a spiritual awakening and they'll say, man, that wasn't real. Now, now it is. And I'd like to be baptized again. And we always say yes to that. So, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, it's a personal decision, but yeah. Uh, yeah, to the person that was baptized as a baby and had no choice, I yeah, I think it's it's your public profession at yeah. an age of accountability mm-hmm. that you make before God and the church. Yeah, because I, I remember I was, so I grew up for a moment Baptist and I was probably six or seven, I think, the first time I was baptized. My dad was getting baptized. My brother got baptized and I was like, Oh man, let's do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I got baptized then, but then I remember in eighth grade and I share all this in my change life story, but in eighth grade was like, all right, I think I'm going to do this now. Like, I think I'm serious about this. And then got baptized. And then when I was 21, I was like, all right, probably two is probably enough for me. <laughs> um, so I don't think I need to do this one again, yeah. but, uh, people, so that was me personally. That's my personal yeah. story. So I've been baptized twice, but I bathe every day. So, uh, he bathes every day. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's what yeah. the other day I texted Adam. I'll just say it. It's our podcast. We can do what we want. Uh, I'm very similar, I think, to you in some ways of changing my mind on ideas or where we're, <laughs> what we're going to do with. And so we're planning this sermon series out. And I text Adam, I got a new idea. And he said, You change your mind more than you change your underwear. And I said, No, I don't change my underwear this much. <laughs> <laughs> too much information. Yeah, so, yeah, too much information. Hey, it's Benjamin, our podcast. We can do whatever we want. Yeah, but can you bleep that part out? Because we don't need that mental picture. Don't do it, Benji. Yeah, okay. Don't do it. All right. So, yeah. So baptism, anything else? No. Uh, Except it's one of the two, like when we say, uh, you know, if you're reading the Constitution bylaws, you get to the statement of faith part and it says the Bible teaches the observance of two ordinances. Uh, Some people want to say marriage is an ordinance or a sacrament. Some people want to say confession. You know, you might come from a tradition that has a whole lot of other ones. We just go with the two that God gave us in the gospels that Jesus specifically gave us in the gospel. And the first was baptism and the second one's where we're going right now. Yeah. But you said a word there that I think is uh, a good word and, but it's a Christian ghetto word that a lot of people don't know what it is. So that word sacrament. Yes. A sacrament. That's like the Catholic slash Lutheran slash old school word for what, you know, non-denom and Protestants call ordinances. Right. right? And this, it's, it's like a sacred practice. Okay. And, and really we, you know, like I said, we only see two Mm -hmm. that, that comes straight from Jesus. There's other things. I mean, that doesn't mean that marriage or a wedding isn't a a sacred thing. It is, but it's not one of the two ordinances that uh, Jesus gave us for disciples to follow. Yeah. Cause, cause in my opinion, I would say that anybody who's a disciple of Jesus would participate in baptism and what we're going to talk about next, yes. but there's also some people that are called to singleness. And so exactly. it's hard right. to make that a sacrament if some people aren't called to it. Yeah. So. And, and, and not to bust Chuck, some of those, uh, you know, some of those denominations that are lean more towards that side or, 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 or to the Catholic church, because non, non-denom and Protestant churches and Wesleyan and Methodists and Baptist churches, they have ordinances too. They have little sacred rituals that they turn into big rocks that they don't ever write down. Mm-hmm. Like you can't get saved unless you prayed a certain the prayer, prayer. Right. or you can't get saved unless you came to an altar and knelt down and everybody saw you. Yeah. Right. Some other ones, you're not really saved unless you have some manifestation of speaking in tongue. We, we love to add religious crap 
to simple things that Jesus gives us. And I believe it's important for us to point that out. Yeah. Because and, because baptism is that public profession. Yeah. Sorry. No, and I wanted to ask one more before we move on to the next one. So there's some people that grew up in a culture where there's this water baptism, but there's this other baptism people talk oh, about, which is no. the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Don't get me going. So well, I'd like to, because yeah. there's probably a lot of people. I mean, I think, Adam, you were in a culture that that was kind of a thing for a little while, weren't mm-hmm. you? And uh, I was too. So, but yeah, break that down from like, so that, what is the yeah. difference there? Why is it important to, to find that there's a, there's a difference? Well, <laughs> the short answer is, is a lot of, of that kind of teaching or those kind of beliefs comes when uh, we start treating the book of Acts as a book of theology instead of a history book. And this is a longer discussion, but for the listener who's like, yeah, where did that come from? But I see this here and I see this there. Uh, we see that uh, the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost on believers because Jesus had left and said, wait for the Holy Spirit. He didn't mean that there was going to be 18 Pentecosts a month. You know, or, or, or when or, the guest speaker came in or when the guest speaker came in or when that certain band came in and brought yeah. the smoke machines. Nope. Now people would look in the book of Acts and say, yeah, but there were other outpourings of the Holy Spirit. They were for specific purposes. So the disciples were first given the Holy Spirit, but the disciples were all just kind of hanging out in Jerusalem. And then, uh, uh, you know, their, their rabbi, their master, Jesus Christ that said, go into all nations. Well, they're hanging out in Jerusalem. I said, go into all nations. They're hanging out in Jerusalem. And so th- what's going on behind the scenes in the book of Acts, a great persecution breaks out and, and, and God's spirit forces them to go to all nations, right? And as they're going, uh, we see the Holy Spirit poured out on Gentiles, the Holy Spirit then poured out on Samaritans, and, and all these extensions in the book of Acts is to show them that, yes, the gospel really is for all these nations. Mm-hmm. How it got interpreted is, you know, people start looking for those little experiences, those little tingles, as you've heard me say. Right. And then they start thinking, oh, it's a second blessing. I got to pray harder. I got saved, but now I got to pray harder uh, in order to get this second blessing. And then if I have the second blessing, do you have the second blessing? Is I didn't a, in college, but did, uh, no, you, you did, I do now. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. Did, did, <laughs> Adam, did you get that second blessing? And, and, and then there's actually some people, I talked to a guy just a couple months ago, he believes in three. Yep. There's a second and a third. And I'm sitting there going, man, that's not what the Bible teaches. The mm-hmm. Bible teaches, I mean, all you have to do is read the book of Romans. Yep. It's very clear that the moment uh, you express faith in Christ and you believe the Holy Spirit takes up residence in or your life. Or Ephesians 1, it's the seal. So yeah, the you're sealed. Yeah, you hear, yeah, you're sealed. You hear the word, hear the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and you believe you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's what Ephesians 1 teaches. So right. Adam, in your experience though, you kind of, we're in a culture for a little while that that was something, was that something that was prevalent in your life or did you kind of kind of dodge it? Or I don't know, that's a bad way to say it probably, but. Um, for speaking in tongues? No, just the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the whole thing. That is a, that's a version of it. Of it. Yeah, that's yeah. a big part that people use yeah. is if you have received this second. Yeah. So That was probably the biggest yeah. where, where I was at. Um, and it was something that uh, I wanted to do honestly right. because that's that's everyone around me was mm-hmm. was doing it and that's what i was told is if you know if you pray this right or do this right then you'll get the holy spirit and yeah um so something that that at a time i i wanted and uh, it just never felt right and i could never do it mm-hmm. um and now i i figured out why because uh, it's not <laughs> biblical <laughs> but it, yeah. you know so but yeah so it was it was prevalent 
Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. So, so, and somehow we got from baptism to that. No, so. no, no, this, <laughs> no, this is good because there's so many people, like yeah. I'm meeting more and more people that have come out of a church um, or have that in their background that it causes a lot of confusion. You know, one of our favorite websites, gotquestions.org. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they summarize the it in a real website. way. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, so, so let me read this por- portion. It says, the following facts are necessary to help solidify our understanding of spirit baptism. First, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, clearly states that all have been baptized just as all have been given the spirit to drink, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Second, nowhere in scripture are believers told to be baptized with, in, or by the spirit, or in any sense to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This indicates that all believers have had this experience. Third, Ephesians 4, 5 seems to refer to spirit baptism if this is the case, spirit baptism is the reality for every believer, just as one faith and one father are. And so there's a ton of confusion that, again, you know, you see one little instance in Scripture instead of looking at all of Scripture. You can't just take what you saw in the book of Acts. You know, I can't just go, you know what, because I read the Gospels, here's the solution. If I'm ever on a boat and there's a big storm and I'm a little bit scared, I just need to get up and yell, peace be still. Jesus did it. Why can't I do it? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, that's something that happened. That's not a prescription. I'm right. probably going to fall out the boat and get eaten. Or cast lots and throw somebody overboard. Oh, you can do that all day long. <laughs> <laughs> Who's out? Who's yeah. out? I'm out. Who's you just got voted off the boat. <laughs> Sweet. So, yeah, that kind of covers that um, first piece of the ordinances. And the second one here at the tabernacle that we believe is uh, the Lord's Supper. So I'll just kind of read this. The Lord's Supper is a memorial of Christ's death, a center of communion and fellowship, a testimony to saving faith and a visible seal of Christ's redemptive covenant. It is to be observed only by the true child of God and is open to all true believers. The scripture strongly urged that one examine himself before partaking of this ordinance. Yeah, and that's something we try to say every time we give communion. I mean, uh, or I shouldn't say give communion, when we participate in that together. So, you know, some churches might call it the mass. You might call it the Lord's Supper, communion. It's all the same thing. It's something Jesus commanded us to do. Then we take the bread and we take the cup. It reminds us of his body that was given for us. And, and his cup uh, is the new covenant of his blood, right? And so it's not literal. You know, this is where big rocks and small rocks want to fight. There's some churches, it's the literal blood and body of Christ. No, it's some bread that we got at Costco and, or, or Sam's, you know, and it's Hawaiian rolls. That's a rock, big rock here. That's a big rock. (laughs) No more of that nasty gluten free. Sorry. If you're gluten free, we love you. We love you. We're just tired of hearing about it. Um, (laughs) sorry. I didn't say that out loud. I didn't say that out loud. There, there's some lovely gluten free people on staff that know how to just make that small rock be a small rock. Well, they can get over it. Benji ah, from Benji. the bat. The Let's one go. time he uses Benji the mic. Vermilia. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. he's here. Just so you know, at the tab, there is gluten and gluten-free options, and that's cool. Yeah. Uh, probably the most interesting development that I've had with communion in the last 20 years is there was one Easter where it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm reading the words, and Jesus, you, you know, it says... Er, er, Paul, Paul records his words in 1 Corinthians, and then we also see in the Gospels. All of the readings, Jesus says, this is my body, which is given for you. Given. And I have heard pastors 
for ever. Say, this is my body broken. broken for you. So you know the title of that sermon was Jesus Didn't Break. Mm. Everybody's mm-hmm. got a breaking point, but Jesus didn't break. He died. His mm. body was torn apart, but he didn't break. And if any bones, you know, I don't know if you remember yeah. that. It's mm-hmm. like the reason I was making the big point, if any bone in Jesus' body was broken, that would have defied the prophecy about. Now, here's a fun part. There's preachers you and I know and love uh, that when I said that to them, they didn't believe it. And I don't want to say his name, but it was Adrian Dupre. Whoa, he went <laughs> stumped. Him. AD was stumped like, what? no, 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 it's broken. What, wait, what? And that threw him for a loop. I never heard him say, you're right. And I, I was wrong, but he, <laughs> he shut up about it. He shut up he about talking, it, right? That was yeah, a, you're right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so that's yeah. an ordinance commanded by Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And I think that the key piece to that too, because I've, I've been in, there's a, I think we're a pretty non-traditional non-denomination church in the sense that we don't do it every week. Most non-denominational churches that I've been a part of or served at or gone to do this uh, ordinance. I participated in every week, at least in my experience. Maybe that's different for others, but I Ooh, think— that's a tough one too. No, yeah. I, I love—but I think what where I'm going with this is I love the way we do it because whenever it becomes weekly, it becomes habitual. Mm. And whenever it becomes habitual, I think that this key piece of that we clearly— um, have stated here is that it strongly urges that one examine themselves before partaking of this ordinance. And I think that that's something that often gets overlooked of, well, I'm just a Christian. This is just what we do. But scripture urges us, right? Even if you are a Christian and this is being offered, make sure you examine yourself. This is something that I started actually having to take a little bit more seriously because whenever I was in a church that did it every week, it was just whenever we sing this song, one of the teaching teams going to get up, they're going to talk about communion they're going to think of some creative way to introduce it, and then we're all going to get up and go take communion during the fourth song, and then we'll sit down, and then the pastor will come out, and he'll sing his or his, he'll preach his sermon. Um, but but what Paul says in First Corinthians uh, chapter eleven, verse twenty-seven. I'm going to read this because I I do think this is important. Um, so when so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself in this way. Let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body and eats and drinks judgment on himself. And so I think that Paul is kind of laying it out there clearly that if you're actively living in sin, unconfessed, unrepentant sin, and you participate in this, you're bringing judgment on yourself. And I think that that's something that sometimes gets missed along the way and people are just habitually participating in this thing. And I think it makes light of what that moment actually is. Yeah, and, so. and it would seem to imply that it's better to sit it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Better, you know, it, you got unforgiveness in your heart, and you're going to go take the Lord's Supper, which is a symbol of, you know, while we were enemies of God, he died for us. How much grace and forgiveness has he shown to us? And so when I commemorate that, but I haven't shown grace and forgiveness to my brother or to my sister or to, you know, one of my kids or my wife, and I'm just hard. So... I think that's why it says it there is, is it keeps us, um, it keeps us focused on what it's about. Yeah. Now, I, I mean, as, as for the frequency, that's like, I personally have gone back and forth. Yeah. I, no, I, know, I, I, I wasn't saying that we're no, wrong. It's just like, I've no, just but that's, seen it. that's a great, great discussion. There was years ago when I was ready to do communion every week and because it was like, oh, the community of believers are coming together because I mean, think about the word communion. We're communing with God. We're yeah. communing with one another. We're communing with God and one another. Uh, we should probably do it every week. Um, 
But then we had, you know, we kind of went round and round at the, you know, at the leadership level uh, because there were those saying exactly what you said. Then it's going to just become a habit. It's going to just be another ritual and people are going to treat it bad. And then, you know, there were other voices that were like, well, maybe they shouldn't just do that. <laughs> do we do that about prayer, about singing, about, I mean, anything we do habitually. Uh, it's a choice. Yeah. Become, it's a choice yeah, to make it a yeah. habit. Yeah. But yeah, we've kind of fallen on the side of let's make it really special, but I don't know if it's right or wrong. And yeah. What's interesting is when I first started coming to the tab, I thought, man, they do this a lot <laughs> <laughs> because growing up, it wasn't something that was done once a month or once every few weeks. Yeah. It was yeah, much more spaced out. Right. So I was like, man, these, they do this a lot, but it, it's with what you were saying, Britton, it's interesting. We, so we preached a few weeks back on the crucifixion mm-hmm. and through studying for that and, and given that sermon, I was convicted um, of how much I've just taken that for granted. It's just been a story that I'd heard for a long time, for my whole life. And, um, and so I think if, if I'm doing this the way that it's meant to be, and I really am, um, one, examining myself, but also remembering Christ's death and, and looking back at what he did for me, and maybe I don't start to take those things for granted so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just made me think of that, like how, how convicted I was in mm-hmm. that moment of, of these things that we hear all the time or the things that we do and we do, they just become this thing that we do and it loses the whole point, the whole meaning behind it. No, for sure. And that's what I like, what I was hitting on is I love them to death. I'm not throwing promise. I'm not throwing rocks, but there were times where it's like, we're thinking of new creative ways to introduce communion. And that was like, I, I mean, I was, 21 years old I didn't know better but I'm like that just seems off to me like I feel like there's no new creative way to introduce what Christ did and what this actually means and so Mm. when was but I think for people like where did this come from is there like a story from scripture for the person listening like obviously I know the answer guys but I'm just asking like break that down for somebody like why do we do the, where did Jesus talk about this? Why is that an important piece for us? Did we already cover that or did I not listen? No, nope, nope. okay. So yeah, for the listener, in case you're wondering, it was at the Last Supper. It, it was it was the night before Jesus died. And so typically that's how, when, when I introduce communion, that's exactly how we'll start. It was the night before Jesus died and after the meal, they'd, they'd celebrated the Passover meal. Now, one of the interesting things is if you want to do a deep dive into the Passover meal, you find out that there were like... Uh, I might be getting this wrong, but I'm not reading off of notes. So it's like four or five different cups are passed. There's a cup before meal. There's a cup during the meal. The third cup is after the meal. And it was at that moment that Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. And and he'd he'd already told them that he wasn't going to drink of the cup until after his resurrection, right? And so they drank of the cup. He was about to drink the cup of God's wrath. Mm-hmm. He was about to drink a different cup of pain and suffering and the cross and all of that kind of stuff. But, um, but that's where he commanded them. He said, as often as you eat and drink the, the bread in the cup, you are commemorating, you're remembering my death until the second coming. Mm-hmm. So it's something that we do. And so it isn't a means of salvation. I think that's another important thing to say. Um, it isn't, uh, something that, uh, if you don't do it weekly or if you don't do it ever, um, that, that we don't see any rules about that. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about, uh, my, my grandfather, Edison Holtzclaw, 
legend. I can't go into his whole life right now. But uh, he's actually my son right over here, our producer. One of his middle names is Edison, right? For Edison Holtzclaw. Edison Holtzclaw did not give his life to Christ until he was in a hospital dying of cancer. He was a deathbed, prayed with my father, uh, who, you know, his son-in-law to go visit, you know, who had gone to visit him, and that's where he gave his life to Christ. He was, my understanding, baptized in that hospital bed mm. with a little sprinkle. And he took communion through a straw. And, and dude. That's cool. That gives me chills just yeah. to think about yeah. that. You know, forever and ever, you know, my grandpa, I get to be with him in heaven because he made that decision. Like he finally made that public profession yeah. on his deathbed. We always kind of thought he believed in God, but he saved it to the last minute. Don't do that if you're listening. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. And then another thing that it says in here um, that I think we'll hit on before we move on to the next one is there's a word that you get, that's used multiple times. Um, it is to be observed only by the true child of God and is open to all true believers. Why was that word important um, in that? Right. I think it's because there's, um, uh, that it's, well, when Jesus first gave us the ordinance, it was to his disciples. So if you're not a disciple, it's not for you. And so uh, and on the one hand, if we're telling people, hey, if you're a Christian, you need to examine yourself uh, before you take, because you, you, you know, you could be eating and drinking judgment on yourself. How much more for the person who doesn't even believe in it? Mm. And so we try to be careful because we want our church to be a place where um, everyone's welcome. And so if there are seekers there on a Sunday or people that, man, they're just struggling with some kind of sin, that's why we always say, uh, or they just don't want to take communion because of COVID. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, whoops, I said it, the pandemic that should now be named, right, <laughs> on this podcast. Uh, uh, we always try to leave the door open so that someone doesn't feel weird if mm -hmm. uh, if they don't, but for sure, if you're not a Christian, you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. So growing up, uh, there was this rule with communion that if you were not a member of the church, this was a big rock, mm -hmm. that you were not allowed to take communion. Where does that come from? Uh, that comes from people that took a small rock and made it in, into a big rock. And wanted more members. They wanted... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they wanted maybe, more, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe they wanted to know who truly was in and who truly was out. Yeah. And they felt that responsibility so hard that it was like, no, you know, Christians are great at becoming religious people. And mm -hmm. we're great at saying, okay, here's a list of all the things to make sure you're on my team. Mm -hmm. We try to put the responsibility on the person the way God yeah. does. It's, are you a member of the worldwide church? All of those people in every time and place that call themselves followers of Jesus who've been saved by grace through faith, you know, and, mm -hmm. uh, um, yeah. So I don't see that anywhere in scripture. No. I do think it's important, uh, to let people know that it is only for believers. Yeah. And, and, and mostly because, uh, I can remember when my daughter Isabel got saved, she was five or six years old, maybe. And, uh, um, we were on our way to a good Friday ser service and they weren't going to have childcare. And I knew there was going to be communion. And uh, so we were prepping her to be in big church. And this was down, down in the South. And I said, uh, now, Belle, they're going to pass, um, you know, this bread and this cup. Now, that's not for you. And, she, and she'd seen it before and hadn't participated. And she said, why? And I said, because it's only for Christians. And uh, that got into a conversation. And uh, she, she had a soft heart. And, and I mean, she... She'd been in church her whole life, but it was, I mean, this was the first time she was 
pushed to a, a line of confrontation. And, um, you know, I can remember my wife said, I'm going to go in and get us a seat. And she took Lily in the baby seat in, and I, in the parking lot, I, I explained the gospel and, and we had a conversation and she said, but daddy, that's what I believe. And so we prayed right there. How cool of a moment that's is that awesome. as a father? Yeah, it was, oh, yeah. dude, it was incredible. Yeah. But, but that's also how, how she related. That was my oldest child. And that's a typical first child response. And she was like, well, this is what we got to do. And daddy, daddy, what's the prayer? And then we prayed the prayer. And, and, and that, w- that was a moment where I told her the words to pray. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then I gave her this little free moment and she did her thing, you know. Um, but then that one right over there was completely different. Yep. It wasn't going to be a conversation and that's okay. But it, but it's the belief of his heart. Yep. And it's interesting that both of my, both of my first child and my last child, it was over the ordinances where I saw them demonstrate faith mm. for him, for Benjamin. And he told us in the last podcast, he was okay. If I said this, it was about getting baptized. That was his public profession. You're not going to get him up in front of the whole church, at least right now to give a big speech. Right, son? Yeah. <laughs> oh, was that a yes? yes? You will do it? Yes. Yes, he's preaching at Foundry. Yeah, he's preaching at Foundry. Well, I stand corrected, right? I wasn't even paying attention. I don't know what I just agreed to. <laughs> <laughs> it's an honest man. Uh, it's an honest young man. So, yeah, sorry to go off on that rant. No, it's cool. They can be beautiful pictures. You yeah. know, for him, it was baptism. For her, it was, it was communion. No, yeah. And I think that whenever those things are rightly... Um, viewed with awe and reverence, those are really beautiful moments in the in the life of a believer. Even if it's you're not getting baptized, just being able to participate in the observation of it and celebrating people um, being welcomed uh, and making that profession of faith, and then the Lord's Supper as well. If, if it's, I mean, those are really cool pieces of our faith that, when viewed rightly, um, I don't know. I love them. I think they're awesome. So. Yeah, this uh, next part we'll jump into is not, this isn't a part of the, so those are our two ordinances. And now uh, this this next part for the big rock portion uh, is this discipleship piece. You want me to read all that, John? You can read all of it or we can just hit little parts of it. I'll just read it all and then we can go. I got to redeem myself from last week. Omnipotent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's okay. The week before that, I got tired of writing. Uh, I wrote two and then instead of writing 270 yes. i just wrote 70 after i wrote the word too so this is what it is you know <laughs> oh here we go we believe the overarching aim of discipleship is for the christian to live a life of obedience to god summarized in the following scriptures the great commandment love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength the second is this love your neighbor as yourself there is no commandment greater than these the great commission therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Next, uh, John 15, my command is love. Love each other as I have loved you. Let's just stop with that chunk, and then we'll get into the next part after that. So with those ones, why were those? I think that that, that's our mission right there, pretty much summed up, right? That's the mission of the church. That's the biggest rocks that we center around are kind of found in the context of those three verses. So Obviously, because Jesus said so was an answer. But for those three verses, whenever you were looking at pushing a church forward 18 years ago and you were sitting down really talking through this, why was it important to make it that simple? Just like the ordinances are like the simplest things that Jesus commanded us to do as far as baptism and the Lord's Supper. If we were to summarize all of his teaching, I mean, how do you summarize his life? Even one of the Gospels ends with, if, if we were to try to write down everything he said and did, it would you know fill all the books in the world, right? 
But if you were to try to summarize his teaching, um, what, what, what he expected of his followers, it would be in those two things. Love God and love people and make disciples. So the first part is love, and that is the whole great commandment piece. And so when someone comes here and they say, oh, man, they're about love God and love people, it isn't just like we're out there, you know, some kind of hippie, you right. know, we got VW vans, we got some beads and some <laughs> flip-flops, and man, they're just all about love. And it isn't that we're uh, not against sin, we are, but it's it's put in the positive sense, the way Jesus summarized he summarized the Ten Commandments with love God. That's and love what I was going to ask. Is yeah, that's that's all summarized in the Ten. Break that down. How is it summarized in those chunks? You taught me this the other day, or you reminded me of it. Or oh, just your that, office. the first, the first four being love God, and the the other six are love people. Yeah, and so you can, if you look at all the Ten Commandments, you can relate each one of those to either love God mm-hmm. or love people. So, yeah. Which actually helps me remember them. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> there was a test at some point in your life. Yeah. There you was a bunch of tests. Yeah. Thanks, to, thanks to JV over there. Yeah. A little fight club test. Yeah. I know. I was excited this week. Our fight club, this is a tangent, but it's fun. We're, we close all the fight clubs the same way, right? Saying the Lord's prayer together. And I'm sitting there looking around the table and I was like, wait a second. I don't know if everybody knows this thing. And so it was like, all right, this week's homework. Everybody go home and memorize this. And then, I made the mistake of like, and hey, just make sure like there's not a test or anything. We'll just say it next week, and I'll find out if you actually know it or not. Wow, that <laughs> was the test. That was uh, the test. So, yeah. but I, but I think that that was a. You're, you're nicer than he is. He didn't warn anyone. Nope, nope. We just jumped into it. But the, but the, uh, well, the fun thing was the first time we, you know, we tested grown men. Uh, did they even know what God's ten commands were? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think I've mentioned on this podcast we got guys that could barely get. Six, and one of them was on staff, and I, I don't want to embarrass him, but I mean, his name may or may not be Martin Rizzi. <laughs> he wasn't ready for the test. He, oh, if I'm being honest, knew. though, if you threw me in test time, test time, your boy's yeah. test anxiety would show up. I'd start getting dyslexic yeah. again. Like, what's yeah. going on? What's up? Now, what's down? In yeah. fairness to MJ, he nailed it. He, I mean, he he knew him. He just wasn't ready. Right. right? Yeah. Uh, but like Adam said. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he summarized them this way. You know, in fact, I was just having a conversation just this past weekend with a couple of guys that aren't Christians. And uh, both of them come from a Catholic background. And they were asking me, they were like, uh, uh, you know, the problem is with the church. And they were talking about their experience. They were saying is the church is just, it's against all of these things. And so I just turned it right into, yeah, but look what Jesus was for. To a certain degree, God gave us the law so we would, well, he says, so we will know what sin is. Mm-hmm. He has to say what all the no-nos are so we actually can articulate what sin is. But when Jesus came to fulfill the law, he said, okay, how do I fulfill this law? He gave us, instead of a negative, you know, don't steal, mm-hmm. don't murder, don't lie, don't covet, uh, he gave us in a positive way. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. So if you love people and you really want to love them as you love yourself, you're not going to take what's not yours. You're not going to take their wife. You're not going to take their truck. You're not going to lie to them. You're not going to covet. If you really love God, you're going to have no other gods before you. Uh, you're not going to make an idol for yourself. You're not going to profane his name. And you're going to take at least one day out of every seven to rest, enjoy him, worship him, go to church, people, right? Yeah. So, so when we put this in here, we wanted discipleship, this entire section, not to be a bunch of don'ts. Yeah. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Oh, and by the way, this is how you vote. And by the way, and there are some churches, uh, we're pro second amendment mm-hmm. and we're for lower taxes. And, and, and it's like, mm-hmm. you and can, bonkers. 
Yeah. <laughs> you can be those things. Yeah. Now, I got voted down when I tried to put Chick-fil-A in the Constitution and bylaws, <laughs> but that's because we didn't have any in Michigan when we, were, when we wrote that's it. That's okay. Well, Adam, it might sure. be time for a change. We're joking, yeah. people. We're joking. Okay. Hey, Adam by the way- I don't want anybody to participate in that with him, so- By the way, Chick-fil-A, no free shout-outs. <laughs> no free shout-outs. If I don't yeah. see some chicken biscuits no soon, we're going to stop. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'll quit right now. No, no. but that was the first <laughs> one. That's all about loving yeah. God, loving people. And then the Great Commission- Yep. This is what Jesus told us to do, to go and make disciples. Yeah. And so the simple, like when, when you look on our website or you look on our material, you hear us talk and say, love God, love people, make disciples. We are summarizing the great commandment and the great commission. That's what we're supposed to be about. Right. And, and, and we're supposed to get after those things. Absolutely. And not fighting about, is he coming back before the tribulation or the middle? Shouldn't they know that now? We've had the message. Yeah. It, <laughs> all your answers should be questions, or all your in, questions should be answered. No, I like that. All your Man. answers should be questions. It's a lot easier. Should we be <laughs> That's what I do dumped? Should we be sprinkled? Should it be gluten or not? I mean, we fight over stupid things. <laughs> what if we just got after loving God, loving people, and making disciples? Keep the main thing the main thing. Yeah. So the Great Commission, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. So whenever we talk about, and we, we, we did this already, we had an episode where we went through um, the change lives and we looked at the discipleship wheel, but maybe for the person that hasn't gone back and listened to that, in short, what does that look like at our church? And I know that's a much longer conversation and I've been in the meeting before where we're like, man, what is our discipleship process of making disciples? In short, whenever we say make disciples, that's a big rock. Why is that kind of, why is that an important thing that we have added? Well, I think that when someone becomes a believer, very soon after that, they're going to be a follower, which means they're going to obey. And in fact, it says it right here that um, it says that scripture teaches we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone. And we affirm that true believer's life will be displayed by the fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? Flexing on us. I don't know if I'm flexing because yeah. I always leave one out and my kids <laughs> remind me of the one that I you know leave out. But that's from Ephesians that... When Christ's love invades your heart, you're going to change. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people call themselves Christians, but there's no change. Well, mm-hmm. I'm not the judge. Right. But we believe that part of our conduct is we're going to display the fruit of the Spirit, but then we're also, we're going to strive towards obedience. Yeah. So if someone calls himself a Christian, but they're like, I'm just going to keep doing whatever I want to do. I'm just keep on sinning over here. Yeah. I'm not sure that guy's a Christian. Yep. And so none of us get it perfect, but that's why we worded it that way. It's yeah. going to be marked by obedience. Yeah. And that's where that... That shift for me, even in my life before I came to the tab and the way that a vernacular that I've used is that somebody just one time said to me, he's like, man, if your real Christianity says yes to Jesus every time. And at the end of the day, that's it. If you're a Christian, you say yes to Jesus and you say no to yourself. And uh, that was a simple way for me to understand it of this, what discipleship is, what that looks like for me is real Christianity says yes to Jesus every time. Jesus said in John, John 14, and it's, it's right here in the yep. thing, if you love me, you'll obey me. You'll obey what I command. Yeah. So it's always a test of love. What I think is important to talking about discipleship is uh, all too often we can fall into the trap of somebody gives their life to Jesus and we go, cool, we're done. <laughs> yeah. And mm. nope, that's the beginning. Yeah. Now the work of the, the work si- discipleship process starts. And yeah. so um, so I think it's important to to know, okay, what is what does that mean? How do we do that? How yeah. do we disciple people? Well, we build relationships with them. Um. Because, yeah, that's not the end. Yes. That's, yep. that's the beginning. That's just the beginning. And right? I think if you were to look at our church context um, from a program standpoint, that's what all of our um, midweek and uh, 
Bible studies are built around, right? That is a, a huge part of the Tabernacles discipleship process is getting people plugged into fight clubs to tab women groups, bringing your kids to tab kids. Like that's not just free babysitting, right? That is actively trying to disciple kids at a level at which they can understand being intentional with content so that we can continue raising them up and raising up the next generation of disciples. And then foundry is something that we, uh, you and I have actively strived to take and take a look at and be like, okay, this isn't just church on Wednesday nights for kids. That's different. Right. This is, we're going to disciple the crap out of them through the vision and the context that our church has called us to. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody was like, what does discipleship look like at the tab? Nobody's discipling me. Get plugged in. I bet you'll start getting discipled would be my, mm-hmm. that's well my put. response to somebody. Yeah. That's well put. So yeah. it's, and I think too, something that we've talked about often, um, we both have a mutual friend that does this is. If you want to be discipled, quit waiting for somebody to walk up to you and say, let me disciple you. Because one, on my end, that's probably the most arrogant thing I could ever do is walk up to somebody and yeah. say, you know what? You should let me teach I want you. Discipleship. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. mentor you. But if you're interested in finding a Go mentor. find one. Yeah. And yeah. another really good book on discipleship is Discipled by Jesus. I think that if oh, people yeah. wanted to go read that, if you wanted to learn what it looks like to actually be discipled through the scriptures and through the life of Jesus. But that mentorship thing is if that's something that you're like, man, you know what? Our church needs to do better. Nobody ever discipled me. It's like, did you ever ask? Yeah. Or did you sit in your house and get mad at us? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, because John, you talk about it a lot, how people will effectively come to church for a long time and keep everyone at arm's length. Mm-hmm. And so how can you, how do you expect to be discipled when you're not allowing anyone close to you? You're not allowing anyone to get to know you, what your struggles are. Because um, I think that's when, for me, that's when the, the, the best discipling, however mm-hmm. we want to put it, has happened was when I finally let my guard down and started asking the questions and started coming to, to fight club and actually not just coming, but diving in. Yeah. Um, it took that, it took me letting that barrier down before Yeah. I could really be decided. I was, I was actually when, when, uh, right, right before you said that, I was actually thinking of you and thinking of your journey, uh, um, and thinking that the first step to being a disciple is really humility mm. because humility, when you humble yourself and say, okay, I'm going to let somebody in. I'm going to actually humble myself and admit, first of all, I don't know where my Bible is. (laughs) Second, I haven't opened it in years. I don't know what it says. I don't know what I believe about all these things. And I watched you come to Fight Club. um, And and we covered some of that in, you know, not your entire change life story, but just the how you got here story. Um, But uh, then the humility continued. And it continues to this day. You're one of the most humble guys I know. You ask questions constantly. You text me questions constantly. And I remember telling you at one point, because I saw how hungry you were, uh, we didn't have an argument, but you weren't convinced that you weren't bugging me. <laughs> and I was like, no, I love your questions. Yeah. You know, I know I ticked you off sometimes when I would just send you articles from th- that I found yeah, in I'm five like, seconds. I read the- that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but- but that's a true disciple is asking questions. And we see that in the gospels mm-hmm. when the disciples will say, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? How, you know, it, it was after they watched him pray. And then they're like, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? Lord, will you tell us more about the kingdom? Lord, why weren't we able to cast out that demon? And so the true disciple is being mentored when he asks questions and he gets his answers. And Britain, you're right. Instead of, I will dispense all this knowledge on you. And I think sometimes people criticize the church because they want us to be like seminaries. Uh, which are really sometimes more like cemeteries, but uh, you know, here's here's the curriculum, here's the big curriculum. Instead of letting people's curiosity ask the question and determine uh, what it is that they're hungry to learn, yeah, you always learn better that way, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think too, some friends of ours and uh, 
part of our church team here uh, that are doing it really well in a really cool way, the way they describe it and just their the name of their organization is it's Life on Life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how discipleship happens. It's Life, life on, on life. life. It's not a curriculum. It's not, if you do these 11 workbooks, you'll have her figured out. It's just yeah. keep going. Um, but yeah, so I think that's important. And then this kind of latter part is this Christian conduct. Uh, do you want to jump into, do you guys have those ones printed out? Yes, I do. All right. And, Sweet. And, and this first sentence is one of my favorite sentences in all of our statement of faith, because I believe it truly summarizes uh, what we mean when we say big rocks versus small rocks. Well, we'll let you say it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, it says, under Christian conduct, section 4.3, where the Bible speaks, we speak. Where the Bible is silent, we are silent. In essentials, unity. In opinions, liberty. And in all things, love. Now we cherry picked that from some other church and maybe so made think one. Of that? Yeah. <laughs> but it was when everyone on our board first saw that, we said we need that inside our statement of faith because that is the guiding principle, right? So where the Bible speaks, we speak. Those are the big rocks. Where the Bible's silent, we got no opinion, right? Or we can have an opinion, but we're not going to preach that, right? Mm-hmm. It says in essentials, those are the big rocks, unity. In opinions, those are small rocks, liberty. There's a little bit of liberty there. Uh, and in all things, love. Hmm. And I'm telling you, if every Christian did that, not only would they would be a part of a church, they'd be a member of a church. There wouldn't be any fights in church, or they would, or they wouldn't last long. There'd be no church splits. It'd be there wouldn't be denominations hmm. if every Christian believed that. Yeah. We'd just be all in one tent, just following Jesus. Yeah, that's cool. And then the next one, uh, we believe that legitimate sexual relations are exercised solely within the covenant of marriage between one man and one woman. The Bible deems all other sexual activities as sin. And you can turn to 1 Corinthians 6.18, and I'm in 1 Corinthians, so I'll just go read that real quick. Yeah, and this is one we had to add, obviously, because of the times we're living in. Yeah. And, and uh, if anyone's listening, you know why we had to add that, because there's all kinds of opinions that are popping mm-hmm. up, and that's not what the Bible teaches. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, flee sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the person who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. So that was the verse that was there, but I think that one's really important, uh, really important. And I think, but as well, the, the way as, the, as a church, we communicate those things to, um, non-believers and especially students. I think there's, there's a book that you recommended that I'm rereading. That's really just given me a better, or we both have it, but it's giving a better picture of why this is important. And it's not just the don't do it because you're not supposed to, but there's a beautiful picture within it of the gift that all of those things are and the reason why and the confines of marriage and the health that can come out of doing it the right way. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and because we have, you know, we as human beings love to get right up to the sin line and lean. Mm-hmm. This is why, like, if you're ever reading this, you know, because the, you know, the paragraph right after you read or the one right after you read says, we believe that marriage is defined solely is the union of one man and one woman. So first we had to say sexual relations, and then second we had to defend marriage as solely one man and one woman. It was originated by God, affirmed by Jesus, and that includes same-sex, transgender, and polygamous unions, or excludes. So uh, that's important because lawsuits are going to happen left and right, and you know we live in a nation where sex has— I mean, this is a dangerous thing to think about. We're fighting about sexual rights. Now, if sex is supposed to be intimacy between two people, a man and a woman, but if all of a sudden I'm fighting for my sexual rights, that's leading one way, right? 
that's only leading one way. My right to sex with and fill in the blank. Yeah. It isn't about a unity. Um, I mean, it's not a picture of unity. It's not a picture of something that is uh, the way God intended to be beautiful communion, really, between two people. It's becoming my right. Yeah. It's my civil right, you know, instead of now, you know, we got to get back to uh, teaching people within the church. Sex is not your right. When you demand your rights and you take your right, your sexual rights, that's not a right. That's rape. Yeah. That's what that is. And, and it's lead, it, it's just, uh, you know, we can say this on the podcast. I don't, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but, um, 20, 20 years ago, uh, was when this really first started popping off about the, you know, the alphabet, the L G B and the T and the Q plus plus. Yeah. You always help me with that because <laughs> right. Um, 40 years ago, we weren't having this conversation. Yeah. But 40 years ago, thinkers were saying, not only is this day coming, but now we're going to normalize all sorts of deviant sexuality. And some of the crazier states, they're already trying to put on the books that, you know, uh, uh, sex with minors should be legalized. Can you imagine Mm. adults having sex with minors or having homosexual sex with minors? I read, and, and this is a competent news outlet, they're trying to normalize bestiality. Yeah. There's some dude out there that wants to have the right to marry his car so he can have sex with his car. How do you have sex with your... I, I don't even want to know. Don't email yeah. me. I don't even want that picture. But there's some dude out there who's thinking, I need to get busy with my car. Yeah. And That's I think, crazy. Right? I think with what you're hitting on with that words, the word that you're using of rights, is it? it's, it's the issue... It's why sin is a thing, right? Is it's making it about me. Yeah. And when God's intention for sex in our lives isn't about getting, it's about giving. And it's also it's ultimately an act of worshiping God in that way with your wife or with your husband. And uh, I just think that's so important. And that's the skewed vi- vision, even within Christian relationships, that when the world starts to seep into that, and whether it be the man or the woman that starts to make, this is about me getting what I need and you owe this to me. Right. But I think that the ultimate healthiest view of sex, and I'm learning all this. I mean, I'm no expert by any means, but I'm trying to read. I'm trying to learn this stuff. Is it's it's about giving to the other person. And what we're seeing in this world is it's everything is about self. Everything's about me. Yeah. And I just think that that's that's a, that's where that slippery slope. I don't have anything to add. I mean, I think one of the things that we're seeing too, at least uh, that I, I see with with students, is it's not even that this is they want their people want freedom to do whatever they want, but it's being pushed mm. onto people mm-hmm. a lot that, um, that you should question your sexuality. You should question your gender. You should question whether you could do this. And we're seeing a lot with students yeah, where they're coming in confused and, and it's not even something that they thought of. It's just, Something's Hey, you saying. should be this. It's yeah. kind of what culture is telling yeah, them. Yeah, Culture is telling them yeah. that, that this is way wrong. You need to, you're, you have to have this, you need to have this. And so we've got to be, ready and willing and able to have these conversations. Yeah. And that's right. why I urge parents all the time to be having these conversations. And that's why we candidly talk about these things is because if the church isn't talking about it, somebody else is. Mm-hmm. And so if yeah. we're not standing firmly on God's intentions for this, then we're allowing the world to begin discipling the next generation. And I think that that's where all of this uh, begins to happen. And so, yeah. And that's not me pointing a finger at parents. That's me pointing a finger at the two of us, that this mm-hmm. is as the members of this church that are in charge of leading our student ministries, that's something you and I have to, we got to stand in the gap because yeah. like John's saying, like this is, I'd hate to, I'm very, 
scared to admit what this world's going to look like when we're your age yeah. and we're looking right. at this document and it's like, man, what? That wasn't even a letter back then. That wasn't even a letter back then. (laughs) But it's not that we're calling out parents. No, not by any means. But it's, but parents are their first pastors. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so it is important for them to do it too. It's not send them to Foundry so we can just. No, it's a cool partnership when everybody's working together on that. And that's something that I learned my lesson on calling out parents. I I went back and listened (laughs) to the podcast with Uncle Charlie and uh, I'm sitting there and I'm like, is he talking to me right now? I think he's talking to me. <laughs> I think he's talking yeah. to me right now. Bit, I ate a piece of humble pie and I realized, man, like as a young gunslinger, there's a lot of times where I can point the finger and it's not easy, yeah. but uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's worth having the conversation. So so part part of this too, when you were talking about what, what it is we stand for and what it is that we teach, the very next paragraph says, we will follow these scripturally supported definitions of gender, sexuality, and marriage in the teaching and practices of this church, her staff, and members. At the same time, the tabernacle will provide an environment that welcomes people who struggle with sexual sin. We seek to love all people in Jesus' name, pointing them towards Christ's power to forgive and heal. So if you struggle in this area, you're welcome at our church. But one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to, or, or that I think we need to do, I think we've done it, we probably need to make it a bigger point of emphasis, is we need to give people a biblical picture of gender. Young men need to see and hear what it is that Jesus men do, mm. that it's okay uh, uh, to actually hold up that banner, that Jesus men are not soft necessarily. Jesus men may have feelings and they may mm. be sensitive, but Jesus men also hunt and they fish and they get after it and they get angry and they struggle, and they fight. And, and they drink flavored coffee. They drink flavored mm-hmm. coffee. That, that <laughs> there's this spectrum of biblical manhood because, uh, you know, and we can talk about culture. Culture's been uh, on the attack of what real manhood looks like for mm-hmm. a while. They're even called it names, right? Yeah. And and I'm not proposing that we become, what is it, toxic masculinity, like yeah. we're pushing that. <laughs> but if you think about that whole agenda about toxic masculinity, yeah, there's some dudes that are are bad dudes. They're overly aggressive. They're mean. They're intimidating. They're abusive. We're not talking about that. But just the fact that manhood has been under assault for so long, um, it's one of the things that the church has to be, I'm going to use an old school word now, a buttress against. Yeah. Literally to fortify our culture, our community, our families and say, no, you know what? It's okay to be a man. And what we're seeing now is because that has seeped in and it's beginning to, it's starting to change men now it's now seeping over and it's changing women. It's changing women. The and exact because same now way. they're having to step into roles to do things that originally weren't God's design for them to stand in that gap and, and hold that. And that's, and I think that there's, there's so, it's a, it's a domino effect right in the wrong direction of what, it, what just one negative view on this or buying into, you know, maybe that is toxic. Maybe that is toxic. Yeah. And then next thing you know, we've got, I mean, so that's a slippery slope that we can it go is. down, but. Well, I like how you said it's a domino effect. And so uh, I think we've talked about this before on this podcast where we say one of our focuses at this church is men. And this is the very reason why, because it impacts your kids. It impacts your family. It impacts culture. It impacts sexuality. It has this domino effect. Not that men are the most important, but that's the center of the culture war right now. If you're a white Christian man in this country, I'm just going to say it right now. If you're a white Christian man in this country, you're the worst. Mm-hmm. You're the worst. The enemy is after you. That's not a racist thing to say. 
that's that's the reality of culture right now and 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 so taking that back and saying no listen i'm not a sexist i'm not a racist but i am a follower of jesus and i'm going to show you a picture of of biblical manhood a dude that's following christ i mean that's our collective jobs here and 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 you know we've said it before one of the reasons that we uh, we rail against the men sometimes, right? We challenge men. We try to create a man-friendly environment in our church is the simple fact is if you get a man fired up about Jesus, you almost always get his whole family. And that's statistics. That's not our idea. Yeah, that's 100%. That is statistics. Yeah. If you get a woman, you might get the rest of the family. She might drag him in there. Mm-hmm. She might drag the kids in for a while, but in, in, until the kids can say no. Yeah. But uh, uh, you get a man, you'll get his family. I think it's important to, to say, too, as we're looking at that, that piece you looked at and that you read at the end, the tabernacle will provide an environment that welcomes people who struggle with sexual sin. That's not just the people who struggle with sexual sin that Christians, per se, disagree with. That's for the dude that can't stop watching porn. That's, that's for right. the dude that's Had cheating, on, cheating yeah. on his wife with the internet or having an affair or whatever that looks like. That's, that's an all-encompassing. So it's not just, oh, we focus on the sexual sin of the people that we that doesn't sin. That does, sin doesn't look like my sin. That's a but good it's all sin. That's a good point. And so it's I think all that sexual that, sin. Yeah, yeah. And we have programs in place at our church currently for for men struggling with those things. And uh, so that's, I think that was that's an important thing. Next, um, on yeah. matters of discipleship, conduct, and practice, members should always remember the personal and communal implications as set forth in the following scriptures. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Make every effort to keep unity in the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Jesus' prayer for all believers, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me, I am in you. May they also be in you, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Right. So, so the key phrase there, and, and as, as you were reading this, I'm remembering why we chose these words specifically, because words matter. It says, on matters of discipleship, conduct, and practice, members should always remember personal, that there are personal and communal implications. So what we didn't want to do is have a whole list of all the things that you couldn't do and a list of all the things you had to do. We've already said that. Mm-hmm. But by wording it that way, it's saying everything I do, if, if it's clearly against Scripture and God's commands, well, I can't do it. Well, there's all these things that, you know, uh, the Bible doesn't talk about playing cards. Mm-hmm. The Bible doesn't talk about cigarettes. So what am I going to do? Well, there's personal implications for those choices, and there's communal implications for those choice choices. And we're suggesting that people use wisdom, right? One of the easiest examples is when it comes to alcohol. You know, I love it. You know, I grew up in a church where, you know, you aren't allowed to drink alcohol. But the problem is, is I was 10 years old and had a Bible, and I'm like, but Jesus did, <laughs> you know? And it's like, no, 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 that was grape juice. Yeah. That was, but it says he turned water into wine. No, that was really, really good grape juice. And it's like, <laughs> I think y'all are lying to me. Uh-huh. I think y'all are lying. But elsewhere it says, um, do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's why we say, okay, uh, it's okay to drink alcohol, according to the Bible, as long as you don't get drunk. Mm-hmm. As long as it doesn't become an idol, as long as it doesn't lead you to sin. So there's some people in our church can drink alcohol in moderation and they're okay. And there's some people in our church that can't. 
And there's some that probably should stop, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's a wisdom issue. And so just about any question about Christian life and obedience is covered in that section right there. We want the Bible to be the guide, but also wisdom, Yeah. right? Am I going to serve um, alcohol um, at a place where my guests, you know, they're all in Alcoholics Anonymous? And I'm right. like, no, but here's my freedom, you know? And it's like, eh, probably not, yeah. you know? Yeah. You got anything to add? And then uh, this final part, uh, the follower of Christ is expected to personally pursue God in obedience, prayer, worship, and in strengthening that comes through the fellowship of believers. Furthermore, members are expected to submit to the organizational leadership and spiritual accountability of the church, elders, and pastors, and to pray faithfully for them. Members are expected to participate as they are gifted and able in the edification of the church body. I nailed edification. You nailed edification. <laughs> I feel edified. I like a split all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm proud of you. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Adam, what does that mean to you? Like, essentially, if you were to summarize that right there. I think we've got a responsibility, each person. And uh, it's on us to be obedient. I think I think oftentimes we, and I've, I've been guilty of this so much, as we look to the church for, give me these things to do, I'll do them, and then I'm going to go about my way. And this is saying, like, nope, I expect, we, we are expected to pursue God on our own. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're expected to be in obedience, to be in prayer, to be in worship. Like these are things that are just expected of, of members and of Christians. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the, that's the biggest thing that sticks out to me is, is we each, each of us has a role in this and it's on us to, to do that. Right. I think that's well said because it, it, you know, there's so many times that I can just treat the church as something or a place that I'm supposed to get something from. Mm-hmm. What can I get out of it? Is this feeding me? Is this edifying me? Is this encouraging me? Give me, like Britton, you were saying, me, me, me. And that whole paragraph right there is, uh, if you're going to be a part of this church, this is what we want people that attend or participate in our church to do is exactly that, to participate. Participate in the organization. Be a part of it. There's a piece in there, too, um, that I think some people don't like, but uh, that, that maybe they don't read this part, and they're like, what do you mean you're going to hold me accountable? Um but there's a piece in here that members are expected to submit to organizational leadership and spiritual accountability of the church elders and pastors um, and to faithful, pray faithfully for them. What is, I feel like that's more often than not the reason people leave. It's because they don't want accountability. They don't want to pray for their leaders. They want to criticize. And that's not just us getting on a soapbox because we're the guys that are being no, criticized. No, but that's just churches yeah. all across the country, it feels yeah. like. you know. And what— what a crazy thing to summarize what the Bible says in the New Testament. Yeah. It says you should pray for your leaders. It says that you should submit to your, I mean, as long as we're following Christ, right? right? And essentially, don't be divisive. Yeah. Don't be rebellious. Don't be divisive. We're supposed to be unified. Let's get after it together. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to call the shots. Let's go. You know. And, and I've heard you speak on this before, and I think this would be a good time. When it comes to spiritual accountability, why is that a conviction that lands on our hearts? Like, why is it important for us to hold our congregation accountable to the standards at which God's calling us to? Oh, wow. <laughs> well, uh, it says in more than one place that, well, it says that not many of you should want to be teachers because you're going to be held to a higher standard. It also says that those of us that are in ministry, we have to give an account for the people that we're in leadership over. And so I'm like, I'm begging you, man. I got to stand before Jesus and give an account for this guy. This guy can't find his pants. You know, yeah. I mean, that's an exaggeration, right. but essentially that is what he's saying there is together we're doing our best to follow Jesus. And, and in any organization, you have to have unity. 
And in any organization, you have to have a direction, a mission, and a vision. And, uh, you know, when people don't want to be a part of that, when they just want to throw stones, it's probably a good thing if they aren't a part of the church. You know, maybe they're, maybe that's the guy who doesn't, you know, maybe it's good for him if he has the belief, you don't have to you know, be a Christian, or you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. Usually that's just rebellious guy anyways, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's important because we're going to be held accountable for it, so... I'm holding you accountable. That kind of sucks, yeah. you know? Oh, <laughs> Especially, dude, you're in charge of adults at least. We're sitting. <laughs> that's, that's a fair point. That's a fair yeah. point. That's now a we fair have point. 15-year-olds yeah. that can't find their pants. Yeah. I'm like, what oh. are you doing? Like legitimately can't find their pants yeah, at legit. camp or whatever. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> or their deodorant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even if we put it on the list three times. Yeah. yeah. But I, I look at this and I think, like, what are the, the, the hurdles to this and, and for each of us? And I think fear is the biggest thing that pops out of me. And we, we had a text thread, was it yesterday? Yeah. Um, talking about fear and stuff. And um, because when I look at that, like one of the reasons that I was excited to become a member of the church was the accountability portion of it, because I, I need people in my life that can hold, that are going to hold me accountable, that are yeah. willing to. And so oftentimes I think we, as, as men, especially we look at this and we go submit to a leadership. Well, no way. That's actually a good thing. It's a great That's not thing. a negative yeah. thing. That's not a, 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 somebody's up here and you're down here. It's a, Hey, let's come alongside each other and work through life together and, and we can help each other out and, um, and hold each other accountable. And so I think that it's this fear of getting exposed, fear of not having it all together, whatever your yeah, fear, fear is. Fear of, of losing our freedom. Yeah. You know, losing control is what holds us back yeah. from, from going, Oh, that's actually a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. Right. And I think often a lot of dudes, be like, well, yeah, I'm, it's pride. No, you're yeah, but what is pride? You're just scared. It's fear. Yeah. It boils <laughs> At the end of the day, fear. what it boils down to. Yeah. And that's something yeah. that uh, Pastor Tim talks about is that a majority of all of, our emo- all of our emotions boil down to the fact that we're scared of something. And that's just whatever that emotion is, that's our response yeah. to that fear. But, right. Yeah. And every single one of us at this table, in this room, on our staff, uh, have accountability. I yeah. have accountability. I'm answerable to a board. I'm answerable to my brothers. Uh, there's other guys on the leadership team that will call me out in a second. And like you said, that's a good thing. I've got guys that are like, well, I don't want to be a member because, you know, no one's going to tell me what to do. Uh, well, for your wife and your kids, you just became unsafe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because a, a Jesus man is going to submit to Jesus, his word, his church, spiritual leaders in his life. And that's a man worthy of following. Mm-hmm. You know, you want your wife, you want your kids to follow you. You want to lead them, but you won't let anyone lead you. Mm-hmm. You're not safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so so I agree 100% with you is this mutual accountability. And, and even the checks and balances of the organization of our church, the membership, they're the ones that um, select the board and the board, they're the ones that select the pastor or the lead pastor at least. You know, and then I got a staff that I select and it just works in a circle like that. All of us submitting to God and his word, this statement right here, accountability is a good thing. Yeah. And then what you find with that accountability or the accountability is then it becomes freeing. Mm. So to a certain degree, accountability equals freedom, yeah. right? Yeah. Because now I'm, I, d- I don't have yeah. to live in fear. That's his Jocko ripoff. That's my Jocko yeah. ripoff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Take that, Will Inc. Uh, <laughs> I'm just yeah. kidding. Please don't choke me out. Uh, no free shout outs though, Jocko. Yeah. No free no, shout outs. <laughs> First <laughs> ever. Especially yeah. your free, ca- your new uh, camo that's coming out. Uh, no free shout outs. Yeah. <laughs> no free shout out. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think that's important. And I think, I think you hit on it is there's a freedom that comes from it whenever I can trust and you build a community with brothers. Mm-hmm. 
Um, especially, um, like for me knowing that when I'm in a funk, I can do, I mean, you did this to me the other day or it's probably a couple of weeks ago. I was like, dude, what's going on? And it's like, that's because you love and you care about me. You love and care about hope and you love and care about the ministry that we're trying to lead together. Mm-hmm. And whatever that funk might be, it's not worth losing sight of the mission. And it was a freaking car again. Uh, but, <laughs> but I think just having a brother that's willing to yeah. pull you back. Right. And so I tell myself a lot on this podcast, I realize, yeah. but but I think that so just it's become your confessional. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, so it's so you are in the funk about the car or omnipotent? <laughs> Which one? I because I apologize because I I, no, I can tell you were in um, a funk and um, I, I thought maybe that was my fault. Omnipotent did not affect my day to day at all. Oh, okay. All <laughs> as right, much okay, as I got... think that it, I've been reading words wrong since I learned how to read at thirteen. <laughs> all right, so. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> seventh grade when i learned how to read it became an issue so uh, but i i love how this last part is worded though members are expected to participate as they are gifted and able in the edification of the church body serve yeah serve <laughs> you're expected That's, to serve I yeah know, we, made expected to serve. we made that was really fancy wording we, we made that swerve video i remember we were asking one of the students and uh, i just said benji was in it and uh but i asked one i was like so wh- why sh- why do you serve and she just goes jesus said to i'm like She's Perfect. 14 and she Boom. gets it. Yeah. We got some adults <laughs> to figure that part yeah, out. So. Yeah. Sweet. And it's not because the so. ministers are failing. It's because we want you to be a part of it. Yeah. And I think that needs yeah. to be said to people too, right? Yeah. <laughs> like these Foundry's popping. We just want more people to experience how cool it is to be a part of it. It's not that we need you, right? Yeah. Foundry doesn't need anybody because it's ultimately being ran by God, but it's really cool to be a part of it. Yeah. But uh, you know, you know, they're, they're, and, and I agree with that a hundred percent, but the church sometimes is compared to a body or to a family. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll even hear worship leaders say, hey, we're a family, right? Yeah, yeah we are a family. Imagine a family where 50% of the family just doesn't do chores. They don't do any chores at all. They, they don't listening? take out the church. No, no, no. no I'm just kidding. That guy I'm does kidding. chores. <laughs> that guy does chores. That guy, dude, whatever you guys are doing is, is, is picking up because that guy does chores he's not even asked to do. I, I was like, Trying to look at your curriculum and going, is that? I mean, is he trying to get points of foundry? Yeah. Nope. He's just growing <laughs> into week, a man, we're right? About chores. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hope you know that. That'll but never happen. <laughs> the church sometimes, yeah. if it feels like there's just a whole bunch of people that don't want to pull any of their weight, they mm-hmm. they. But it's really, the way culture. you said, yeah, they just want to participate. Yep. Just put on the show and and be funny and don't take too long, and <laughs> that gets frustrating. Yeah, it does. Because they're missing out on an opportunity to actually be a part of the family. Yeah. To pitch in and get all of the adventure and the risk and and get to know people and stop keeping us at arm's length. Just the the full picture of, I think, an ideal Sunday for us as a church would be that in all of our services, we've got people serving and attending and that you're not just doing one on that weekend, Mm -hmm. but that you and your family, whatever that looks like, we come and we serve in this ministry during this service, but then we attend this one together. Worship one hour, serve one hour. And it's a crazy thought that we might spend more time at the church than the hour that we get, sometimes hour and four, hour and five, depending on how froggy the oh, preacher's yeah. feeling. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> get me on a rant. But uh but I think it's like, man, what if what if it was just a priority and it was up until this point we're gonna be here and we're gonna do our thing and we're gonna serve and our well, what are our kids gonna do? Glad you asked. Mm-hmm. We have, a, we have a ministry that they can jump into called Swerve, yeah. and they can serve too. And uh, and I think it's just a really cool opportunity for the whole family to to dig into that. So you know, you know, it's cool uh, that that I've seen happen at the Buckley campus. I don't know, maybe it's happened at the Manistee campus too. I'm not there as often, but I'm thinking right now of a couple of students who go to Foundry and they come to church on the weekends, 
and they swerve. They're serving. They never miss. Their parents don't come to church. Mm-hmm. They're not Christians. Yeah. But these kids are Christians and they serve. We got members, adults, that won't. And they're missing out. They're too busy. They're too important. They got, you know, sorry, I didn't mean to make this about this, but you got me going. Just, just, (laughs) I mean, it's hard because I'm a human. And like, even back to where you're talking about the time. I grew up going to church in Haiti. Haitian church (laughs) is going at least two hours. I'm talking about the worship service. No breaks. Sometimes if that pastor's getting froggy, it's going three. A three-hour church service that starts at nine, and you're going to be That's there till noon. That's your... Oh my goodness! <laughs> Could you... Multiple sermons, multiple <laughs> worship sets. It's just how they roll. You know, they take an offering. There wasn't enough offering, <laughs> and so in the middle of the sermon, the pastor gets a note. A deacon walks right up on the stage and ha- hands him a note, and the pastor starts giggling. Says, "I got to pause the sermon." Calls the worship leader back out. We got to take another <laughs> offering because we can't keep the bills paid with this and everybody wow. just laughs and these yeah. poor people was a second can you imagine that we're on that schedule hmm. well you go over 65 and people are giving you the stink eye <laughs> but i think you said something that's inter- interesting for the people that are not serving is they are missing out yeah yes like bren you hit on a second ago it's not that the ministries need them i like i'm i'm thinking about tab kids on sundays and as i i get to walk around and see all the really cool things that are happening and and the leaders that are having fun and they're showing up and they're getting after it and I mean, shout out to the Tab Kids leaders, by, by the way. They're, no they're free shout yeah. No. <laughs> no. They, it's not free. They are, free they are crushing it. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's been a really cool thing uh, to see just this culture begin to build within, yeah. even within Tab Kids, and that people are, there's relationships being built within the leaders and with the, and with the students, with the kids. And it's a really, it's an incredible thing. And to get to be part of that, man. Yeah, it's cool. That's a rewarding yeah. thing. That's, it's fun. Yeah, it you is. Know? It's not, so serving isn't just this thing where you come and like, oh, I got to go do my part. Nope. Nope. Dude, they're having fun. Oh, and that's what because I Because they're, they're part of the mission. It. They're yeah. part they're make yes. they're going and making disciples yep. within our own church. Because mm-hmm. yeah. those kids are going to grow up and they're going to be disciples. Yeah. yeah. And I love that too. I mean, just from the Manistee perspective as well. We've got people serving their face offs. My favorite moment was a dude that serves in Tap Kids. He serves in um Foundry and he's I mean, he's just one of those do anything you want him to do type of guy. And I remember uh he came to the winter retreat and it's like that's a big ask. And I know a lot of ministries, but to ask somebody to come, hey, you're going to come sleep in a bunk bed where kids are going to smell horrible and you're going to hang out with them all day and you're going to take time away from work and all this stuff. I remember at the end of it, uh, him shooting me a text and he said, hey, I hope you uh, never have another picture of doing this without me because you're not getting rid of me now. <laughs> and uh, But it's just cool seeing people buy in and be pumped mm-hmm. about the mission. And uh, and there's just so many cool pictures all around our church of people that are taking it seriously, leading their yeah. family in that way. And yep. And God's showing up big time in their lives. And it's not this health and wealth, do all the right things and you get blessed, but it's he's showing up because they're looking in the right places. And so I think that's that's the coolest thing. And I mean, we got students all over the place serving their faces off. Yeah, I'm, we're taking over. Oh, yeah, we are. They are taking over. Adults better get ready to start meeting on Wednesday nights because uh, <laughs> yeah. the way it's headed. <laughs> I, I got my, my, or our two youngest kids, when they're not on to serve, they're legitimately ticked. And they've been doing it for years now, yep. you know, like mm-hmm. Gabby can't work that cafe. She's like, oh, come on. You know, uh, this one right over, over here, man, they put someone else on that 
video machine on a, <laughs> on a weekend, and he is not a happy camper. I know he gets so mad. I was like, man, we have to get him one to do during the week. He's getting the itch. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> man, they got some weak link in there doing yeah. video instead of me. I'm the pro. What's going on? I know? will say, though, no offense to anybody involved, but when I'm on backup and I, as the backup, you de- you kind of depend on that live stream going through Manistee, <laughs> and there will be a week where you'll preach. And I'm like, man, that was good. I don't, I don't want to recreate that. And I'll just be like, hey, who's on? Is Benji on the live stream? Because as long as Benji's on there, I know I'm good. Did you know you're good? Did you know? Ooh, I don't have to study Benji, next time he makes you angry, just don't hit record, bro. Just don't hit record. Just don't. Yeah. Don't tempt him. He might. (laughs) Yeah, to the people in Manistee that I think I sabotage him on purpose. No way. No way. (laughs) Sweet. Well, uh, is that last one? Uh, I think that, or is it kind of a lump summer? Yeah, it's kind of a lump summer. That that last one basically reminds us um, that- we're to listen to the Holy Spirit um, because we're going to have different convictions. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit may convict you of something that he does not convict me of. That's okay. There's a whole podcast episode on that. That's right. We let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit DNA be series. the Holy Spirit. Yeah. yeah. It also says that, um, that we're to accept those whose faith is weak. That, you know, if, if someone isn't, hasn't been following Jesus as long as you have or whatever, and, and they might have a different perspective, we're supposed to work towards unity, accept those people. Uh, and then the very last one, this is, this is kind of an inside theology nerd like joke here. Yeah. Is it says also, please consider the following guiding scriptures. And then it's just a whole bunch of scriptures that speak specifically about sin. (laughs) (laughs) So instead of don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, we just made a paragraph of here's for further study. And it just clearly defines what sin is. So you don't do something stupid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So sweet. Adam, bro. Thanks for jumping in. Yeah. I, I'm not as thankful as I would be if you weren't getting paid for this, but no, I'm pumped you're here. What if, what if next week right there, there was either. Like there needs to be some kind of food on this podcast, don't you think? <laughs> yeah. Like I'm thinking potentially uh, some trace cakes because I'm just kind of slacked off this week. There was no trace cakes <laughs> mm-hmm. that was going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, th- I mean, I blame you for that That's because not my fault. well, she's trying to figure out how don't to how, how to make healthy cookies now because <laughs> she, you're on this odyssey. Odd, well, maybe called it an odyssey. I don't see any trace cakes she's here. Hey, you texted yesterday and said not. I'm losing weight. You are. No, you, you Oh, did. yeah. Oh, Adam, I'm on an odyssey Adam, with you. Adam was offering up free candy, oh, which yeah. is a weird thing Why to text to me, that? bro. Yeah. Oh, uh, so all that I never candy. asked you about that. There's a picture of candy yeah. sent to us in a group text. You want some candy? Yeah. I was cleaning out areas of the church. <laughs> oh. And that candy expired two years ago. But people are eating it upstairs right now. Yeah. So <laughs> Adam put it in fine. the bowl. Well, it's because they're saved. They're not It'll afraid to die. It is yeah. But yeah. You know what they're not eating upstairs? Chick-fil-A. Adam Expiration dates are merely suggestions. Yeah. I, I agree 100%. I'm except, glad you're trying to glance past the fact that what we're not eating upstairs is Chick-fil-A that you could have brought to us. There could have been some chicken biscuits here today. There could have been. Benji, 30, have you had chicken 30, biscuits 30 yet? rack of nuggets. No. Yeah. There may be one in my car. <laughs> Dude, don't Did you drop a nugget? <laughs> no. <laughs> I will get under the seat. However, yeah. it is for Samantha, so you can deal with her wrath. Oh, snap. Worth it. Okay. No. <laughs> so She's already uh, kicked me out of my basement next week. Oh, no. That's I think bad. we got that worked out. You're Let's good. Go. I, I had somebody on Facebook. Well, first of all, on Facebook, I was putting the Chick-fil-A updates because there's a grand opening. If you're not from Michigan, you don't get it. This is the only Chick-fil-A north of Traverse City. And so we crave that which we can't have. So somebody was like, really? People are dying 
in war in the Ukraine and you're worried about chicken. Hey, listen, I care. We're praying about that situation. I would send them Chick-fil-A if I could. Yeah. But I'm just fired up that we've got some mm-hmm. right here. So I was yeah. trying to explain that. I'm, you know what I'm sick of? What's that? If I can just be honest. I'm sick of the people that hate stuff just because it's it's opposite of what everybody else is doing. Oh, you mean the people that say Chick-fil-A is overrated? Yeah. I'm thinking of a dude that you and I know. He What's lives, his initials? He Bill li- Stone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Benji. I don't know. Was that the go? Is it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that well, was well done. him. And then there's another guy um, that listens to our podcast from the state of Nevada. Oh, really? Yeah. And I'm about sick and tired of people. It's just chicken. It's not just chicken. It's an experience, man. It's the experience that they're selling, and that's why we support them, and they're doing it without being open on Sundays. My pleasure. Taco Bell's trash, Bill and Jeremy. Oh, but sometimes little tacos. I'm not saying I won't eat it. <laughs> I'm not saying I won't eat it. <laughs> and no if there's shot. anything anybody knows at this table, it's I'll eat it. All right? <laughs> I love Taco Bell. But in the green, which one are you choosing? Both are open. drive throughs empty. Chick-fil-A. Which one are you doing? Chick-fil-A. Yes, nah, easily. I rest my case. Yeah, you rest so, your case. And Seth yeah. Bush, who also orders a salad when he goes there at well, Chick Fil A. Yeah, I, he needs to shave that beard right now. <laughs> That's that true. is complete <laughs> false That's advertising. True. That's what Seth we're doing Bush. next week. All staff meeting, just have a chair up there. Cassie Rizzy rolls in. To ceremony. Wait, does she? I'm down. Because this fresh fade was from Cassie. Looking good. Yeah, got a little. Mm-hmm. But but does she do beard? Are you talking about the fade from color to a different color? Or no. The hair yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, straight up. I'm asking uh, her, why is this hair like stick out here? And she's like, well, gray hair doesn't have melanin. And so now it's all different. Because my hair just goes nuts. So uh, I'm, I'm just going to go rizzy. I'm just going to go bald. Please don't. Uh, I bet you won't. I probably Ooh. won't. But I did get the based on the amount the of Britain concussions fade. I've had, I'm pretty sure I have hail damage on this thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look like a golf course uh, is the monkey. Yeah. Oh my! Uh, sweet. Well, thanks for jumping in, Skylar Bibles. I voted yesterday for you to release a CSB personal quintal, so I feel like if you do, I'd love a free one. Skylar Bibles. Yep. You got a Skylar Bible, right? I do. Yeah, he does. Do you, do you have buffalo or the goat skin? Calf skin. Calf you got skin. the calf mahogany. Yeah. Do you mahogany. like it? My Do apartment like smells of rich mahogany. Many <laughs> leather bound books. <laughs> Sorry, I do like it. Yes. So, to the person that's like, why do they keep mentioning Skylar Bibles? Well, one, we we give shout outs till we get stuff. Yeah. No free shout outs. No, no free shout outs. <laughs> but second, for kids leaders. Yeah. Now, any Bible is a good Bible. You can get your Bible on the phone. You can have your pleather covered Bible. That's nice. Mm-hmm. But we here love God's word. In 30 and so we seconds invest. or less, we you've invest. given me this clean, very, it was a strong, it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't your, I'm trying to, it wasn't a directive. Mm-mm. But why do you recommend leather and paper instead of technology for somebody uh, listening? Yes. So this 30 is seconds why. Or less. Now, it's because I can do a lot of things on this that I can't do with this. Mm-hmm. I can play on my phone. I can search the internet. I can buy stuff on Amazon. I can look at stuff I shouldn't look at. But this, it's all about God's word. Yeah. That's why I like leather and paper. Boom. Buy a real Bible. <laughs> and if you uh, got deep pockets. Invest in yeah, it. Yeah, invest. Invest in a nice Goat Bible. skin. CSB's so, great. Yeah. So is the ESV. We're, we're taking over the world. <laughs> With <your> CBD Bible. Uh, <laughs> did you like that picture I sent? Yes. Uh, I love it. So sweet. But just don't buy a case to carry it in. Uh, there, I said it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, love you guys. Thanks for uh, jumping in. Tab family. Until next time, this is John, Adam, and Britton. And Benji signing off.